Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus. Today, we're uncovering a delay to NFIP's new pricing formula and why NAMIC believes this decision will impede much-needed change to the program. And resiliency takes center stage at the Florida Chamber Insurance Summit. Plus, how Church Mutual CEO Rich Poirier hopes the company's commitment to innovation will keep the organization moving forward for years to come. NAMIC expressed its disappointment this week in the federal government's decision to delay implementation of a major change to the National Flood Insurance Program's new pricing formula. Risk rating 2.0 had been set for an October 2020 launch, but now has been pushed back to October 2021. The planned change to the way NFIP charges policyholders is meant to pull the program out of its multi-billion dollar debt and help the nation adapt to the growing risk of climate change. FEMA says the delay will provide additional time to do what it calls a comprehensive analysis of the proposed rating structure so as to protect policyholders and minimize any unintentional negative effects of the transition. By delaying the plan, NAMIC thinks FEMA will maintain the status quo of a broken NFIP rather than doing the hard work of addressing the program's structural and financial flaws. The 2019 Florida Chamber Insurance Summit drew a big crowd of insurance industry leaders ready to get the conversation started on the next legislative session. Florida Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Patronis and Insurance Commissioner David Altmeyer both emphasized Hurricane Michael recovery and the ongoing need to help policyholders in the panhandle. NEMIC Federal Affairs Director Andrew Huff participated in a panel that discussed local and federal efforts regarding resiliency. He highlighted NAMIC's efforts with the Build Strong Coalition to pass the Disaster Recovery Reform Act. He also addressed the importance of making available pre-mitigation funding for communities and individuals who want to improve their resiliency. Um, and so obviously, you know, it's pretty historically significant, uh, significant disaster mitigation legislation um, that we, you know, we think is finally going to create that shift from the post-disaster side to the pre-disaster side in terms of, you know, let's make that investment on the front end. Um, basically how it will work is it gives the, uh, the DRA contains a provision, you know, one of like 60, um, and this gives the president the ability to put 6% of whatever is spent out of the disaster relief fund into FEMA's pre-disaster mitigation account. Now this account will be renamed the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Program called the BRIC Fund, the BRIC Program at FEMA. Um, but basically, you know, we're talking about a lot more pre-disaster mitigation dollars. If you go back to 2015, there was only $30 million allocated into that PDM fund. You know, in years of major disasters, this BRIC fund could have, you know, $1 billion or more that would be given to states and local communities to help them mitigate before disasters. And so, you know, that's obviously a pretty game-changing, you know, law that we think is finally going to make that shift from the, you know, from the back end of disasters to the front end. After shepherding the DRRA into law last year, NAMIC and the Build Strong Coalition are now pushing the Federal Emergency Management Agency to issue guidance as soon as possible that will create the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Program. That guidance, originally supposed to be released this year, is now expected in early 2020. At NAMIC, we understand that innovation isn't just about the idea. 
It's also about the creation and implementation of it. Over the years, Church Mutual in Wisconsin has been recognized with multiple awards for its role as an innovation engine. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with Church Mutual President and CEO Rich Poirier about how the commitment to innovation will keep the organization moving forward. We're talking about innovation today on Unscripted, and joining me is Church Mutual President and CEO Richard Poirier. Rich, uh, welcome and thanks for sitting down with me today for Insurance Unscripted. Well, great to be here. Hey, you know, Church Mutual has been doing a lot in this area that we'll talk about, which is kind of the insure tech and uh, has been named a distinguished performer in the innovation category by Deloitte, as well as a Wisconsin 75 top private company for the fourth consecutive year. So for all those and other awards that I know I've read about related to Church Mutual and your leadership there, uh, congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. Now there's something... It's a neat honor and uh, love to... Uh, we had a nice accolade from NAMIC not too long ago as well. So we were we were very proud of that as well. Well, you did. And that's really what uh, I wanted to talk about today. You know, you have this... Um, kind of unique aspect of Church Mutual where you're helping to foster innovative ideas. So I wonder if you could tell us about the Disruption Lab and, and how that got started. You bet. Um, when you're a mutual our size, you um, to differentiate yourself in the market, you clearly have to do something different to compete with the larger carriers. So we started recruiting and re- attracting people that had engineering and some science uh, backgrounds in their DNA. And um, we hit on the idea of uh, not an innovation's a word that's overused. So we said the industry's really now about disruption. So let's create a lab up here in our home uh, office of Merrill where uh, it's okay to fail, fail forward fast, try some different ideas and kind of my watch where it is I'd like you to try 20 things, and if we have two big ideas every year, that's a really good ROI for us. So they're um, they're inspired and uh, encouraged to think big and uh, do a lot of proof of concepts. And the, uh, the North Star, the guiding principle, is to help our policyholders live more secure, safer you know, lives. And uh, I think that served us well. The lab's been up and running now two years, and we've had about six big ideas come out of there. So uh, we're feeling pretty good. It's getting some legs, and uh, folks like yourself are recognizing some of the efforts we've, we've had. Well, let's talk about that, because uh, you mentioned some of the awards that you've won really across the board as a company, but this uh, NAMIC Award in Innovation, which was two years ago now, but I, I know... Having been there and witnessed the, the ceremony, it had to do with water and temperature sensors for houses of worship, um, which, of course, is a Correct. big part of your business. But you've also won other awards for other Internet of Things technology. Right. So um, right. can you tell us a little bit about what it is? I assume these were some of the uh, six good ideas that came from the 80 or 100 yeah. that yeah. Uh, were evaluated by your disruption lab. Right. Well, the big one, if you're watching TV right now, uh, the wildfires in California uh, are on everybody's radar right now. It's just a clear and present danger to the industry. It's uh, a vexing problem. 
So a couple of years ago, I was traveling out in the winter to California, and uh, I was watching planes being de-iced in uh, Minneapolis and the apparatus they use. And I called Guy Russ, uh, our uh, VP in the innovation lab who was working in loss control. And I said, is there a company or technology, or I had heard some urban legend that there's this foam that folks use to spray uh, high net worth homes. Could we adapt that to the, the stuff we insure? And within a matter of months, we found a couple of vendors and they were able to adapt trucks uh, for us to spray uh, this foam. And really the, the wildfire is what's, uh, what's, what's tough for us is when these embers jump with these high Santa Ana winds that you're reading and seeing. Right. Uh, they land on roofs and they catch fire because it's so darn dry. So we partnered with our reinsurer, Guy Carpenter, who gives us fantastic uh, weather analytics. So four times a day, I get very up-to-date, real-world uh, information uh, on the spread of the fires, the location. I can get it down to the street level. And we have a working relationship with a company called Capstone, who was able to uh, modify some of their fire suppression vehicles to meet our needs. And uh, we have them strategically located throughout California, and we can, uh, we can dispatch them to these hotspots. So we have been actively deploying these trucks the last three weeks. Uh, the Kincaid fire, which was in uh, Sonoma Valley, we had the boots on the ground literally through the whole uh the whole time of that fire then we had to move south uh everybody saw the ronald reagan library well we weren't too far from there with our trucks right on um the the easy fire and then there was the getty fire that was going to build up burn down the get so you know you hear about these high value targets but there's a lot of little churches assisted living that are all interspersed in these neighborhoods so we can get out assess the uh situation and uh, when needed, we'll spray foam. And this foam is derived actually from, uh, it's the same compound you find in baby diapers. And they learn that these things never degrade in landfills. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that what makes them kind of an environmental hazard to landfills saves lives uh, in, in protecting churches. So we've never lost a church other than in paradise last year where we've had a deployment, we've gotten there ahead of time. Paradise happened, the town burned in four hours. We were on the outskirts and the civil authorities wouldn't let us in because they feared for our, our uh, the safety of our operators. But uh, we're batting a thousand when we can get in. Uh, and before wildfire season, we also use this uh, agency to clear brush. Uh, we do a scoring of uh, their fire risk, one to 10, mm -hmm. and we're able to do prophylactic activity on the front end. So we've really uh, brought down our, our risk profile and we've benefited when we've talked to our reinsurers. So rather than, you know, I've always said hope is not a strategy. You got to have a fighting chance on this stuff. And uh, we think we've hit on something here uh, that gives us a better, you know, better than even odds. So we've got a couple more weeks, we figure, until these winds die down and, uh, you know, we'll have the trucks out and 
patrolling where we need them, uh, you know, but it's the confluence of this new emerging technology and artificial intelligence, the analytics we get from the weather providers that we have with Guy Carpenter, and where we, we marry these two, and they become a very effective shield yeah. uh, for these wildfires. So the most recent award that we got from Deloitte, uh, they looked at our stats and all the saves we had made because it's easy to calculate the total insured value if it doesn't burn down. You right. can quickly multiply the ROI and the dollars you're saving, and it's it's pretty it's pretty significant. So that's the most recent one. You know about the uh, you certainly know about our uh, our uh, ambient temperature monitors. We were seeing a rash. In the beginning of the year, you've got these polar vortexes that are, you know, and this is all driven by climate change, I believe. Right. This weather is allowing colder weather to go deeper into the south than we ever experienced, and we get these wide extremes. Churches are vacant five out of seven days. There's nobody there watching them. So we needed some kind of a monitoring system, a sentinel, so to speak, that could measure those ambient temperatures to give us a heads up if pipes were uh, prone to freezing, and then they'll, they'll get an electronic push onto their iPhone, and, and we can get somebody over there to get the heat turned up. Uh, the next iteration is we're working on some promising uh, technology that'll actually be able to turn the valves off remotely. So yeah. you don't even have to have somebody get into the church. They'll be able to do it from their home. And again, it's just a takeoff of technology that a lot of us have in our homes. Yeah. You know, I have a cottage in northern Wisconsin. I can I can monitor and and tell when my if my furnace is struggling and I can raise and lower the temperature up there. So that was kind of what got us thinking about the sensors and uh we partnered with Hartford Steam Boiler and we've had really good success. We've added a second vendor, Roost who I think you've highlighted in your magazine. Yeah. And uh, they're allowing us to put into the smaller churches at a more affordable cost and really ramp up our penetration. And there's applications in public schools, assisted living, nonprofits, some of the other sectors that we're writing. So, you know, we've proven that uh, year over year. You know, we're into the tens of millions of dollars in uh, losses that we've averted with the, uh, with the sensor technology. So the next generation is going to be uh, advanced technology on smoke. When some of these wires overheat, can we get an early warning before a church goes up in smoke? So that's the new area we're going to push into that you'll see from us in the next couple of years. Very huh. exciting stuff. Makes abundant sense. I mean, when you think about, you know, your market, these are large, expensive structures, and to the extent that you can invest in you know, new technology that mitigates, uh, you know, the likelihood that you'll have to pay claims, that churches will be out of business or homeless for some time while, you know, uh, buildings being restored. It's, it all makes abundant sense. And I think it also illustrates what you talked about that was covered in our magazine recently, which is, I think the sky isn't falling was the headline, but it was, you know, InsureTech uh, has great promise for our industry in terms of uh, offering opportunities for smart companies like yours to uh, leverage it for the problems that they've faced for a hundred years, which, um, you know, is right. Why would, you, why, would you, why would you not embrace what's there? I right. mean, it's, we, we, we make sure that we're very purposeful in communicating to our associates 
that this is not a substitute for your job. This will free you up to uh, help these ministries. You know, nothing is more painful to me personally than when you have a 120-year-old church where five generations have worshipped, been baptized, married, buried their parents, and then it's gone one day because of a senseless fire. So on a moral level, it's irresponsible not to use this technology, in my estimation. Uh, It's just such an emotional tearing when a ministry uh, is gone, and then they're offline for a year or six months while you're rebuilding it, and it's never going to be the same. Uh, Our prior CEO, Mike Robin, always referred to a church as a living scrapbook of memories. Uh, for the people that that belong and worship there, and we take that real serious here. Right. That we want to preserve that, and do everything we can. So, you mentioned the uh, you know look for two good ideas in twenty, and you found a half dozen or so in a few years now. What's your philosophy on innovation, and how do you how do you develop these new ideas at, at Church Mutual? Where where does it? I know it begins in the lab probably, but what kind of a process is that? Well, you know, we have a council where every employee can come and pitch an idea to us, and we incentivize that behavior. We encourage that behavior. Uh, And nothing's cooler than when a rank-and-file employee. So we had one a year ago. That'll be our big idea next year. Um, The act of shooting that you're reading a lot about is another thing that just pains us deeply. Uh, Sutherland Springs, the church in Texas, which got a lot of the press a couple of years ago, was ours. Uh, We have spent a lot of time with them, helping them heal and learning about lessons learned. So we had an employee that said, hey, uh, my wife works in a bank and they have panic buttons. Why don't we put panic buttons in churches? We reflected on that and said, you know, it's so simple, it's kind of odd that we miss that. Mm-hmm. So I was traveling in uh, Nevada at one of the largest Lutheran high schools in the country, and I noticed that their students had built fingerprint-enabled panic buttons that are unique to your fingerprint that'll send an SOS to the SWAT team in a matter of milliseconds, because seconds matter in these type of yeah. And that came from the horrible tragedy at Mandalay Bay. Uh, many of the kids that belong to this high school, we ensure, their parents work in the gaming industry. So we talked to the, uh, the folks that developed the technology and made sure we weren't violating any copyrights. So we're going to be rolling out the uh, fingerprint-enabled panic buttons next year. And it was an idea that kind of came from an employee and then – I saw it in uh, operation in one of our uh, insureds, and away we went. And uh, Roost has uh, come and partnered with us and can take the, that technology to an even further level. So some of the best ideas start from people just dreaming and saying, what if? And that's a clear example of how that got legs. And uh, another, you know, the millennials are great because they're so technologically ahead of Folks my age, the, the baby boom. We had another employee say, you know, Mr. Poirier, everybody's got iPhones. Why don't we put apps that help people? Uh, you load onto the app the exits and the instructions if there's an active shooter on how you can get out of a building. 
use it as a map, as a, as a living, breathing uh, emergency tool. So we're, uh, we're getting that ready to rock and roll, too. Wow. So those are just two quick examples of how these things get legs in our company. But we're trying to make everybody uh, more entrepreneurial. Uh, it's fun. Uh, when a big idea it comes to life, it's celebrated. And uh, it's really, you know, at first people were afraid because failure is a, nobody wants to have an idea that doesn't work. Uh, but now people sell it. We, we view failures as a way to build and uh, block uh, future successes. What did we learn from this failure? How can we get to the next level? Well, last question, yeah. uh, and it really gets to um, what you're talking about, which is the environment that you've created at the company where you know, ideas are welcome, new ideas are celebrated, failure is okay, but what advice do you have for other insurance leaders or other member companies that are you know, perhaps thinking about this but haven't yet gotten started or aren't quite sure how to engage? Yeah, well, we uh, we took a journey with Gallup on redefining our corporate values. And uh, one of the things that kept coming back to us was be bold and be courageous. And the beauty of being a mutual, where you don't have earnings calls and stockholders, why I love being the CEO is I can look at the long game. I can do things that maybe don't always pump up the bottom line, but five or 10 years out, they're transformational for our business. So my advice to people in similar chairs like I am is dare to be different, do the right thing, be bold, because those little ideas can get legs like they have in our company and, and they can result in really great things. Wow. Great advice to end on. Rich, thank you so much for the time today and appreciate your your time and to talk about innovation. Well, thank you for letting us tell our story, Chuck. Always a pleasure. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with NAMIC's Tom Carroll about the recently finalized American Law Institute's restatement of the law on liability insurance. It can severely disrupt existing insurance operations and is already being used by plaintiff's attorneys in numerous courts. Tom will share how to recognize and address the dangers of this serious problem. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we hope you'll keep tuning in as we return with more insurance news and information on November 27th. If you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.